Welcome to the Every Thought Matters podcast, where I get a chance to talk to people about their thoughts, their journeys, and have a little fun and hopefully learn something about ourselves along the way. So please click like, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a comment, and thank you so much for listening. It truly means a lot to me. Have a great day, and remember, every thought does matter. Today I talked to Robert Baldwin. He's full of high energy, whether talking about mineral rights or about his longtime stint as Clutch, the Houston Rockets mascot, or about his two sets of twins that are the joy of his life. Passion has always been a driver for him as long as I've known him, so tune in to hear a little about his story, where he came from, and where he's going on the Every Thought Matters podcast. Enjoy. All right, we're recording. Hey, Robert, how are you? Good to see you, man. It's been a long freaking time for the both of us. It has been, Kelly. Thanks for uh, thinking of me. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I think the last time we saw each other eyeball to eyeball uh, was well prior to COVID. It was back in our United Way days where we both served. uh, Yep. Helping uh, those that are underserved in the Houston area. Appreciate all the stuff that you did for them and and for me personally you know it was my first time chairing a council and uh you were a huge help and and support thank you it was that was fun though you know looking back it's like wow that was 10 years ago give or take and this (laughs) phenomenal run and we've got both of us got to be part of the united way young leaders council and got to you know do so many things and because of you and your connections we got to do a lot of fun things so uh, but one of my most favorite memories was a post party going and having cigars. That was, I still remember that for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, cigars is still one of my vices. Uh, one yep. of the, I've narrowed it down to pretty much just cigars and the occasional soda and too much coffee, but cigars is still a passion. Uh, I remember it was about 12 years ago. Remember we did that first fundraiser at my house all the way out in Siena and we did all the games and everything. That was 2008. Wow. That's when I moved in there. And uh, yeah, we did have a lot of fun along the way. I I feel like we did some good work for the United Mm -hmm. Way, for the city of Houston, but we also, you know, I'm a big proponent that fun has to be part of the process uh, along the way for everybody involved, whether you're being served or serving. Fun's important. I, I agree. And that's been like, to me, I read your bio, went to your website, read your bio, and it made a lot of sense to me because you seem to incorporate that no matter what you did and how you served, whether you were crunching numbers at the United Way, because you did a lot of number crunching on your own at the United Way, or being, you know, obviously one of your uh, main things that you've done. So, you know, it was Clutch, and you made Clutch like a household name. Like, you say that, I even say that in L.A., and they're like, wow, yeah, I know who that is, you know. So you always made fun a part of your culture. Yeah, I mean, it's important that fun's part of it. Uh, And a lot of it's hard work, right? Uh, My my moniker, or what I was known for in the mascot business, and they did this, the other performers – always said that I epitomize the comment that comedy is a serious business. <laughs> so, uh, right. It is, right? Like all the people that write for Saturday Night Live and the talent sketch comedy writers or sitcom yep. writers or movies, 
it's serious business with deadlines and goals and, and all that stuff. And, and you want to, you know, give people the value for their dollar. But uh, yeah. And then there was a lot of number crunching with the United way, but also with my job at the Rockets. Cause you know, a lot of people hear professional mascot and they think, Oh, what do you show up a half hour before the game, put on the, the suit and start shooting silly string and rubbing bald heads. And no, I mean, it was, <laughs> no, I had a former boss that referred to it as, you are the closest thing to an entrepreneur within corporate America that is, and you are a sub-brand manager. Uh, and all that goes wow. along with it, right? The merchandising, the website content creation, uh, social media management, agent as your own appearance booker, sponsorship sales, uh, ticket sales initiatives, uh, you know, grassroots marketing, CR, community relations, just all of that stuff. So, you know, a lot goes into it for the, the those guys out there in the profession that really want to develop it more than just being a performer. Yeah, and what most people don't, and I love your story, and I kind of want my podcast listeners to hear the story of how you almost, in the way I remember it, you accidentally fell into the mascot business. Yeah, that's correct. I, I was a uh, in high school and at the Wissahickon High School, it's a suburb of Philadelphia in Ambler, Pennsylvania. I grew up in Bluebell and the cheerleaders didn't even do tryouts for the mascot. They just all got together at the uh, end of August, the beginning of the, the senior year and asked a different senior each year to be the mascot. It was kind of that, uh, you know, class clown type. It didn't get, uh, that's all right. I'm dog friendly. I'm canine friendly. I am too, but. <laughs> It's yeah. all good. And, uh, you know, I uh, said the second they asked me, it was they didn't even get it out of their mouths quick enough. I said, yes, uh, <laughs> because it was like, you know, this fun. I was always into fun, quirky things. You know, I did a character for the horticulture club. I was the president of the horticulture club. And I also did this morning announcement character called Captain Eco. And Captain Eco would bring you the, you know, green environmental tip of the day. Uh, but wow. then the mascot thing. And then again, I freshman year, just by serendipitously meeting some cheerleaders at a dorm function. It wasn't even a party. It was just like a dorm function. And I said, oh, I was the mascot in high school. So I had no designs at the University of Delaware to set up to be the mascot. I went in as an accounting major and came out wearing fur. The cheerleaders say, hey, we have tryouts tomorrow. And I said, awesome, I'm there. I went out, tried out. There was only one other guy that tried out. He was the two-year incumbent. It was a horrific tryout where there was no costume, music, props, or anything, just in a sterile classroom. And they said, Delaware is down 42 to zero. You can't talk. What do you do? <laughs> and it's humiliating. Wow. And I think I like acted like the other team was on the other side of the room. And I did the hex thing with your fingers like they're the devil and then I went to pick up a, a classroom desk chair combo and act like I was going to throw it and they all just went whoa 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 that's fine we get it and I walked out feeling like my tail between my legs feeling like humiliated and an hour later I got the call and said you got the job well it turns out they were ready to put any warm body into that costume because they hated <laughs> the guy that was doing it then and then I got lucky um the university a month later decided it was already in the works, but I found out they were rebranding the whole university around this new blue hen character called Yudi. And so next thing you know, I'm 19 years old on a flight for the second time in my life down to Atlanta, Georgia for Real Characters Incorporated getting custom fit. And they didn't just 
create a new mascot, they did away with all the old logos and the different colleges had different logos of the uh, renditions and they unified it all. So I got to see really at 19 years old, all the politics and struggle uh, for a rebrand at a large organization, in this case being a University of Delaware, 18,000 undergrad. And nobody wants to let go of their unique version of right. their logo. So uh, that was the real learning experience uh, from a marketing and branding standpoint uh, with hands-on. And then uh, the Rockets came along and offered me a tryout in 95. I left Delaware uh, three, five weeks into my senior year. Um, and the ur at the urging of then President David Roselle, who you'd think, what president of a university is going to tell you to drop out of school to move to Texas to wear a bear costume? Well, he did. He said, <laughs> you're good at this. You have a 3.4 GPA. College will be here if that doesn't work out. If it does work out, you can finish your degree at U of H. And as long as you get all A's, we'll take the credits back. And the Rockets paid for me to go back to school in the late 90s. And I got the degree remotely from Delaware in 97. And then I was clutch for 21 years from 95 wow. through 2016. Wow. I mean, yeah. Just, Sorry, that's a long answer to it. No, I love the long answer because I I love that. I just I, a little bit of serendipity, but it's also a little bit of hard work and ingenuity. And you're also literally trial by fire too, because you're getting thrown on a plane and watching an entire university. This is long before rebranding was a cool thing. Right. It's you got to see rebranding up close and personal, and that's a rebranding in any organization. I've seen it in all of my walks of life going, wow. And you got to see that at a very macro level in the politics. Yeah. And, and, you, and you're not a popular person. No. You're not you're popular at all. You get mm -hmm. resistance from every standpoint um, because people are entrenched into what they're you know, used to. That's why one of my favorite uh, business authors is uh, uh, Seth Godin. I like Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. the Freakonomics yeah. guys, Dubner and Levitt too, but Seth Godin talks quite frequently about, you know, how, uh, you know, being remarkable is being different and that pushes people out of their comfort zone and nobody likes to be pushed out of their comfort zone. And by nature, innovation and invention is all about being an uncomfortable. George Bernard Shaw has a good quote about it too. I've tattooed to my lower back. Yeah, you and your tattoos. Good lord. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it was it was awesome. It was a good experience and learning experience, uh, you know, along the, the road to being a mascot, <laughs> which was never the plan. Yeah. It was to be an accountant and get my MBA uh, or get my law degree. It was one of those two, and <laughs> that hasn't wow. happened. Yeah, but you found you had a knack for something, which is kind of cool to me. That's why. I, you know, I love my, my podcast is Every Thought Matters and it's about your thoughts and like that. But I just like hearing stories like that where it's life is what happens when you're busy planning it. It always has been and it always will be. Change is the constant. And I love what you said, be remarkable. Being remarkable means being different and pushing people out of their comfort zone. And working with you at the United Way, you did that with us on our group because we're, we were all a bunch of corporate drones basically. And here's this guy who's it does fun for a living was pushing us out of our comfort zone to help, you know, help those less fortunate in the city of Houston. Cause 
as we both know, city of Houston doesn't have a social safety net. So the United Way jumps in and we have to help create, you know, something that the young leaders can get fun and involved in to where they want to donate money. And you made it fun, but you also made it remarkable and different. Thank you, Kelly. And so did you. I mean, our message uh, was all about uh, the United Way's effectiveness and efficiency with people's yeah. money and that we were their, their stewards of their dollars and that 88 cents on every dollar went directly to people in need and that yep. that 12% overhead was well spent so that you're yep. not just writing checks, you know, sight unseen and you know that good things are happening. Um, serving on the services side really helped me be more effective to ask for people's money uh, because I was actually making sure it was getting spent well too. So I could say I was out at this place and we defunded them. I was out at this place and we said, you're going to do this, that, or the other thing, or we're going to, you know, cut your, your funding. So, and seeing how a lot of the places were so effective and the fact that they weren't just giving handouts, they were, they had controls in place that made it hand ups. So you had to enroll in a class in order to get free groceries every Friday. Uh, you had to enroll in something that, that made you a better parent, a better worker or something. So I really enjoyed our time together there. I did too, but how does that translate into what you're doing now? Because I've got a, kind of a feel for it, but I kind of want to hear your pitch about what you're doing now that encompasses all of these lessons that you've learned through brand remarketing, because you've apparently done a lot of brand remarketing on your own since you left your role. On myself. <laughs> yes, you have. And I love hearing about that, though. I think that's great, personally. Yeah. I mean, I'm at Spear Minerals right now. Uh, shameless plug, spearminerals.com, sure. like the tip of a spear. Uh, I'm their CMO. Uh, I've been with them since uh, October. Uh, it's with a, a friend of mine, Jason Lane, who's been in the energy business his whole life uh, with right. JBL Energy Partners. He owns that. That's the working interest side mm -hmm. where you're actually going out and drilling wells and, and speculating. Yep. Spear Minerals is not about speculating. It's mineral rights. It is yep. the real property, subsurface property ownership, complete with deeds uh, that oil companies pay royalties on. They pay a lease fee, but the, the money is made by paying a royalty fee on the uh, gross that comes out of the ground with no, sure. no, no tie to um, operational cost or expenses. Um, I'm in kind of two businesses. I'm in the oil and gas business. But more importantly, sure. that's secondary. I'm in the generational wealth creation and the diversification of retirement. So uh, a lot of people are either, you know, taking liquid assets to buy because they want uh, this cash flows monthly. Uh, so it's not like buying a rental property and then you got to go find a, a renter. We already have the renters through the oil companies that are actively yep. drilling uh, and producing. We have 165 wells on property that are called PDPs. That means uh, producing, developed, production. Uh, I'm sorry, I messed the acronym up there. It's because we're it's talking. all right. I, I uh, get what it is. Proven, I oil and gas. proven, developed, producing. Sorry. Uh, we got room <laughs> for another 250 puds. We've got eight active ducks. We've got uh, five uh, wells awaiting division orders. That means they're sending oil out of the ground. Point is, in layman's terms, this is not speculative in nature. It is not uh, hugely risky. 
Uh, it's not hugely sexy to many people though, too. You're not going to double your money, uh, right. you know, because you're investing in one well. So a lot of people are turned off by drilling deals because they've made the big bet and it hasn't paid yeah. off. This right. is a very kind of long-term stable thing. I bought myself. Uh, I have four children, two sets of twins because God cursed me. I mean, bless me. Uh, God <laughs> blessed me with two sets of twins from two I different marriages. So it's my fault. And uh, the, the thought of leaving something tangible, real property that cash flows monthly, uh, well beyond my lifespan when I'm dead and gone is very appealing to me for my children. Um, it's not as easy to liquidate as most things, which appeals to me as well. So that when my kids are 25 or 35 or whenever, whenever I'm gone, hopefully that's not for a long time. Uh, they can't sure. just liquidate a trust or a, a 401k or, or, or whatever, or an IRA. Um, so, you know, that's why I believe in it. Um, there's a 15% depletion allowance for perpetuity. Many mm -hmm. people are, are familiar with depreciation. You can only depreciate sure. it to zero. Depletion allowance exists for perpetuity forever. Um, so there's a 15% tax break off the top of everything you make. Uh, it's good for 1031 exchanges for people that have boot left over. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you asked a simpler question. What, what do I like about it? Uh, I'm helping people with their futures and, yeah. you know, their dreams and their security. Uh, you know, this isn't a short-term play. This is about, you know, retirement or your kids' kids, generational wealth. And it seems like, you know, what's really kind of cool to me is, and we talked about it before, life isn't what you're, life is what happens when you're busy planning and there's no way you would have planned this either, but you also have that accounting degree now. So, and you're probably putting that into play a little bit for this particular thing, but you got some other stuff going on the side too, because you're still doing public speaking. Am I correct? Yeah. I just booked my biggest speech ever. Uh, I consider because it's a paid gig. I did a TEDx talk back uh, in 2018, but as you probably know, they're not paid. You do those, no. you know, for the privilege or the brand building or the honor yeah. or whatever. Sure. Um, sure. I just booked a, a speech for Mensa. Uh, <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. So I'm speaking to the Mensa annual conference held in Houston this year in August of 21. Um, already got the down payment, you know, the first yeah. half is what I, most speakers do first half upon booking and, and final half yeah, sure. speaking, but you know, they're legit. Uh, it was funny when they emailed me, one of the lines said, they started explaining who Mensa is. And I thought to myself, God, why does Mensa want somebody speaking at their conference that they have to explain who Mensa is? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, that's and funny I quick, because I quick wrote back. I wrote back, you know, they were like, it's the top 98th percentile of uh, intelligent quotient. And I was like, well, I generally only speak to the top 99%, but I guess I'll make an exception. And they wrote back immediately, that's exactly why we want you to speak. We want somebody funny uh, and that can speak about Houston sports and a deep dive into mascotting. 2021 is upon us and we are a couple weeks into it already. Still not where you want to be? Resolutions already biting the dust? Are you still letting outside factors influence your inside happiness? If so, book a free consultation with me at everythoughtmatters.com and see how I can help you with your love life, your career, your purpose or just help you get unstuck. 
Check out everythoughtmatters.com for more information and book your free consultation today. So, yeah, yeah I, public speaking. Um, and I'm Which sorry, Kelly. You know, it's all right. Yeah. I, you know, I wasn't doing uh, the Spear Minerals thing until now. I, like most people uh, in the world, was deeply affected by COVID, um, mm -hmm. but everybody in the event business. I had four major clients. Uh, you know, at the end of February, the biggest of which was the XFL. Uh, I worked out of their league office out of Stamford, Connecticut, right across the street from the WWE offices because we were owned by Vince McMahon. And mm -hmm. uh, then University of Houston was a client where I produced all their football and basketball games. HoustonOnTheCheap.com, which is an event-based website. Um, and then I had my Newton gigs, which I just did for fun. I mean, it paid me some, but I liked doing the school shows still and my public speaking practice. All five of those revenue streams were uh, event-based and they were all gone come yeah. June. I mean, they fell one, some fell immediately on that fateful March sure. 12th when all the sports leagues closed, but they were all gone. So I had to rebrand once again and retrain. Um, so that that's, kind of it. I, and, and I do speaking. I've just spoke for Amazon for their last mile department virtually. I spoke for all the special ed teachers in Texas, uh, mm -hmm. 600 of them on a, a wow. you know, Zoom call. Uh, so, you know, it's weird, you know, how that works. People, almost all of it is word of mouth and referral um, with the speaking and web, my website based. You know, I used to be on some of the speaker bureaus and stuff, but didn't get much out of it. People want a, a referral from somebody that speaks. Yeah, that's usually how it works too, because you know, in uh, that's kind of how I've like I've just started this podcast last fall, and I know that this is something that's actually really personal and great for me because I just believe that I've got that gift of being able to talk to people and bring them bring out in them. What some things they don't see in themselves, which I think is fun, but I yeah, also I, enjoy I, it. I, I agree. You have a, you have a, a skill for it. I saw that at our time at the United Way, but it is a craft in itself. It it's, is. It, it is storytelling, but you don't get the advantage of writing it and then rewriting it. It is in that moment. How do I ask that poignant question that unlocks this person's personality, their story, and, and you have that yeah. gift. I'm glad you're doing this. Oh, I, I love it. I, but I also, I sit, I watch a lot of people and in the sports world, I look, you know, guys like Dan Patrick and even Howard Stern does it really, really well. And, and Dan Patrick said, you know, the most fascinating guests are the ones that aren't giving you the canned answers, but you got to ask the right questions so you don't get those canned answers. Yeah. You want you know authenticity. I mean? You want yeah, real stories. Why I prep my, uh, you know, I prep my guests. I was like, this is a conversation. Let's just talk. And let's, you know, you and I were friends a long time ago and we, we haven't caught up in a long time. And that's part of why I wanted you on. But I love your story and how, where you've been. I, I still go back. Anytime I see the University of Delaware, I always go, well, that's Robert. Yeah. You know, well, I, I think always you, think you of that. have a good point. I don't like when somebody gives me a list of questions in advance. Uh, you know, I've done plenty of interviews. If there's something I don't feel comfortable talking about, I just say pass, or I'd rather yeah. not talk about that. And then people move on. They respect that. But, you know, if you see the questions in advance, then you get, you know, unauthentic, robotic, you know, stiff answers. So 
Ask me the only time that I've cried in costume. Well, if you cried in your costume, really? Yes. Did you get a ball hit somewhere cried, you shouldn't have been hit? I cried, no, emotionally one time in costume. The thing that Why? I'm most proud of, I've had many moments, right? 6,000 right. appearances, 1,500 games, performed in 12 countries, including yeah. 10 trips to China. The best moment of my career uh, was my dad was diagnosed with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis back uh, in 2011, and things got progressively worse uh, to the point where I rushed into the hospital on um, uh, February 2nd, 2012, and they said, you have a, uh, <sighs> I'm getting a little reclaimed now, you had 12 weeks to live. Well, uh, my dad went on the organ transplant list and his idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis is a non-lifestyle related lung disease. It's the hardening mm -hmm. of the lungs, no known cause, no known cure. Uh, the only thing you can do is a lung transplant and uh, darn it, he got it. And uh, he got it uh, on uh, February 15th, 2012. And um, while I was visiting him in the hospital, I saw a life gift table in the atrium of Methodist Hospital. And I walked up and I said, what's this all about? What's life gift? How do you play a part in the transplant process? And they explained what an OPO is, an organ procurement organization. They're the yep. go-between for the hospitals that uh, matches recipients and donors, basically. Yep. And they mm -hmm. work with all the different, we call them transplant centers, but that's synonymous for hospital. And I said, how can I help? I'm the mascot for the Rockets. I can give you money. I can give you my time. I can give you my influence. I can speak, yep. do whatever. And the first thing they said to me is, are you an organ donor? I said, of course I am. I remember at 16 years old. And they said, can we see your license? You know, when you register for your, your driver's license at 16 up in Philadelphia. I pull out my license and lo and behold, I wasn't an organ donor. I didn't have the heart. Whoa. I felt so filled with shame and, mm -hmm. oh God. And they said, sir, don't worry. There's a lot of reasons for that. And then I learned one of the most horrible lessons in life uh, of government bureaucracy in action. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for many years in Texas, when you registered to be a donor, if you said, yeah, when you were at the DMV getting your license for the first time or renewed and you checked, yeah, make me a donor. Well, at the bottom, it says, can we share your information with other agencies? Most oh. people regard that as junk mail. No, right. you cannot sell my information and send me That's a bunch of stuff in the mail. Guess what that did when everybody checked that? It negated sharing it with the Donate Life Registry of Texas. So oh, all these people were donors. So this wasn't a conscious decision people were making. Uh, and when I got involved with Life Gift, we only had 2.9 million people on the registry out of, two, uh, out of 26 million Texans. We passed the 10 million mark a couple of years ago. I haven't checked in on it recently. Um, but, you know, I kind of made that my, my life's goal. So long story mm -hmm. short, I decided to run the half marathon in yeah. full costume as clutch, wearing an organ donation shirt and a headband promoting the cause. My dad's donor's family, he was a 22-year-old young man named Ian Heideman who tragically mm -hmm. died in a car accident but he self-designated himself as an organ donor three years prior. We became friends with the Heidemans. They came out to Houston to support my efforts running in the race Aww. and all the media behind it. And the night before the race, the Houston Marathon is always on a Sunday, third Sunday in yep. January. We had a game at the Rockets. 
and the Rockets set me up with a suite uh, so that I brought, unbeknownst to the Heidemans, I had all the people that received organs that saved their life from their son, Ian. Oh, are you kidding me? In the suite. So oh, when been... Heidemans, Rob and Janice walk in, everybody just started crying. Oh, I would have started crying. Because it was like, oh my gosh, you know, I look at this guy, Paul Bodwin, and the lungs that are in his chest are my son, Ian's. The heart yep. in Reggie King is Reggie's. Uh, yep, yep. Ian's the pancreas, kidney, everybody. So there's that. And then I didn't tell anybody this, not even my parents. I surprised them all that at the second time out of the game, I had them all come to the front of the suite. They put them on camera and they read about a, a 60 second script that I had read. Yeah. The camera first tightened in on Rob and Janice. And they just said three years ago uh, or two years ago, their yeah. son tragically passed but he was an organ donor that saved five lives. And just with that huge round of applause exploded. And then the camera starts to pan out and they say, joining Rob and Janice is Rachel Brown who Hill, who received Ian's pancreas and, and uh, kidney. And, oh, the place starts to even erupt more. And then further Reggie King who received Ian's heart. And finally it's a, it's me and my dad on the end and I'm in full costume and Paul Bodwin who is Clutch's dad, who received Ian's lungs. And Clutch yeah. will be running the Houston Half Marathon tomorrow. With that, the whole place blew up, standing ovation. I'm crying in my suit. I mm -hmm. put a, a bear hug, no pun intended, around yeah. my dad's neck and whispered into his ear, I love you, dad. And I'm choking back tears. And I mean, I... My, it was flooded. Life Gifts site got a 43% spike in traffic that month. Um, you know, uh, I, my inbox text phone was flooded, you know, with messages like from fans and whatnot. Clutch, you usually make me laugh, but gosh darn it. <laughs> made me cry. <laughs> you made me cry that time. Kudos. Uh, so it was the most single most rewarding thing that I got to do with my time and my career is clutch. And I don't know, Kevin Meyer, who's the president at Life Gift, said, Robert, we've never seen a spike like this and you're never gonna know and nobody will be able to know how many lives this saved. There's no way to put a number on it. But yeah, there uh, isn't. Man, it was awesome. It was, it was the best feeling of my life. That's a great, I mean, I, my dad, that's how, but you've always been about serving. So you're still continuing to serve. And that's always been a mantra with you. I, I read through your bio and that's the thread that's always through it, through everything you've done, you've served. You, I mean, we haven't even, you know, we've got a couple minutes left, but you only got, you've talked, got seven children's books. Is that right? Seven? Uh, right? Yeah, seven On the number? children's books. We have uh, one of them went through three publications. They were all published by the Rockets and we gave yeah. them out to free at all the school shows and around town. So we have over a half million books and circulation right um so you know children i did 2100 school shows and you know yeah. second to performing on court i really enjoyed those school shows because yeah. we, you know we you know people say what does a mascot do for an hour straight in front of kindergarten through fifth graders when you can't talk well i had dominic davila who was my full-time assistant yeah. by my side for 17 years and it was trial and error the first three years, but we worked out a really tight show that was mm -hmm. heavily requested that 
didn't just entertain, we called it edutainment, where it cycled in and out about every three to five minutes of both educating them, but kind of giving the little jabs of, of motivation, inspiration, and education that the teachers, God bless them, give them every day. But to hear from somebody from the Rockets, anybody, you know, and it also right. be entertaining with magic tricks and laughs and silliness. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. you guys were all about that. Huge passion yeah. of mine. You know, we, just last thing on uh, organ donation. To this day, Kelly, I leave the house, and you can see, but you're, you're yeah, I've seen them. on the podcast. I'm down to four wristbands right now. Every day I wear 10 when I leave the house. I've gone through thousands of these. People always ask me, what are all those green wristbands for? I do that intentionally because then that gives me the overture to take one off and give them my 30-second speech about why they should be an organ donor. Right. And if I get home, by the end of the day, I'm usually without any wristbands on. That's pretty awesome, though. And yeah. that's a good, you know, it's a good segue into, you know, and that's branding, but that's also connecting to people and getting a message out but doing it in a fun way. And that's, again, uh, going back to our United Way days, you know, that's what you were always all about. That's what I was always all about, just a way to connect to people. And I love it because when we connect to people, we make them feel comfortable and then we, we can talk about whatever we're passionate about when we make that connection. Because my grandma always yeah. said, you talk to somebody long enough, you'll find something in common. That's true. I, I, and, and connection's the key word. You know, mm -hmm. whether it's selling, marketing, nonprofit, whatever, you got to connect with people on a human level first. Yep. You know, what's the old saying? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yep. So, um, yeah, passion's never been a, a problem of mine in the deficit. At times, it's been too much passion, and I've had supervisors want to horse collar me <laughs> and say, uh -huh. Uh -huh. slow down, buddy, and I've been accused of laser focus, <laughs> and, you know, I am not exactly the most patient person in the world because I feel a sense of urgency, whether it's our cause with the United Way or organ donation or our product. Um, yeah. You know, with Spear Minerals, um, I really got fired up when I decided to buy myself. And it wasn't yeah. just so as a sales tactic so I could say, hey, guys, I put my money where my mouth is. No. It's, when I made that purchasing decision inside my own head, then I believed in the product beyond, well, you know. Yeah, you have to believe in what you sell, but if nobody, you know, if my listeners don't know, they can go see a picture on your website of those beautiful twins. They're just gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful kids. I love. You know, I can't take credit for that. That's all their mothers. Uh, oh, I'm I sure, to, but still. I, had, I, had the, I was blessed to have two very attractive uh, wives and my yeah. kids, their looks from them. But thank you. They are oh, uh, the center of my beautiful. life. I've uh, got how old are they now? So my twin boys are identical and they're 11, about to turn 12 in February. Wow. And my twin girls are fraternal, um, one blonde, one brunette. Because I only say that to illustrate that they look completely different. And mm -hmm. they're four and a half. They turn five uh, in August. Wow. It's, it's so, the twins run in your family then? No, no, they don't. Um, How, you know, the, wow. the second set were because of IVF. 
because we implanted two embryos to increase chances of at least one taking. And as fate would have it, both did. Uh, The first set with my first wife was one embryo that split. And that's not necessarily because of IVF. That's just one embryo splitting where the DNA is identical. You've lived a very blessed life, but it's still, even following you and being friends with you, like on Facebook and talking to you and you have, it's still constantly changing for you. And yes, you have been accused of, as you said, I wouldn't, but I, cause I love your passion. I love your energy. Cause I feed off of it when I'm around you, even just listening to you, I feed off of it. It kind of makes me want to go and just run through some brick walls, but you always are willing to adapt to change. Where does that mindset come from? Uh, I don't know if it's a mindset or if it's a necessity. I don't know that anybody likes change, even those that are change agents. And I consider myself a change agent. Change Uh is tough. Um, You know, uh, what other choice do we have in life? Giving up is not one of them. I mean, I've got several tattoos. I went through a very tough time in my life when I first divorced. Uh, my first marriage was 10 years, together 11. Had children that were three years old. Uh, and man, that really sidelined me and devastated me. Um, I was fortunate to have a lot of friends uh, in Houston, but really around the country that mm-hmm. really picked me up and supported me. And for the first eight weeks after that separation, and this is all a true story, uh, eight of my closest friends all took turns flying into Houston to spend the weekend with me. Half the weekends I had my kids, so we went to the movies or the beach and stuff. But each one of them, uh, because I'm a tattoo guy, you can't see yeah. any of them when I'm in a polo and uh, jeans at all, uh, so that I keep it professionally. But I told each one of them, I want you to pick a tattoo out that you think either you know, encapsulates me or encapsulates our relationship or some experience we've had. And I want you to do it in your handwriting. And while they were here for the weekend, that's one of the activities we did. And my best friend in life, Patrick Honeycutt, is a Presbyterian minister in the Alexandria, Virginia area. And his was a phrase that his grandmother gave him way back in the 50s. And it was, surrender is not an option. And that's tattooed to my rib cage. Um, another friend gave me one, Jim Wegebauer, enemy of the ordinary. And that is tattooed to me. He labeled me. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've been blessed with a lot of good friends. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I guess I started saying that is what other choice do we have before I have had kids? You know, I'm a big superhero fan and I am a Batman guy over Superman. Yep. I like them both. But I like Batman because he doesn't have any real innate superpowers. And it's about grit. Grit is a tattoo I have on me as well. Um, tough is a tattoo. Uh, notice those things aren't strong. I think there's a huge difference between the word strong and tough. Strong is about the ability to knock down. Tough is about the ability to get up. And I always like, you know, Alfred talking to Batman saying, um, why do we get knocked down so we can get back up? And I say that to my kids all the time. Uh, you know, we're all going to get knocked down, but there's actually a point to getting knocked down. It's so yeah. that we can get back up. 
You know, there's yeah, lots of, you know, cliches out there. Get knocked down seven times, get up eight. Uh, sure. That kind of thing. You know, Muhammad Ali talked about it's not, you know, the knockout. It's what you do when you're on the canvas or something to that effect. I yeah. Remember, you know, and that's, I agree with that 100%, but you embody that and you embrace that even to, you know, if you go to your website, uh, you can, it's the enemy of the ordinary, which I just think is great. I just, but that's you though, in a very much a nutshell. And from the day I met you, you know, it took me aback and I, you know, it took me about three or four meetings to go, oh, okay, now I know how to, you know, be around. Handle this energy. guy. Yeah, you can say yeah. handle or interpret. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, but it's great. But that's what I think is your gift and that passion, and you know, is unbridled. And that's what I, I love it because that's a, a thread no matter what you do. And you're always willing to get back up, whether you get knocked down here or knocked down there, you always get back up. Yeah, there's, there's no choice. Hey, listen, I mean, we're talking yeah. a lot about this metaphysically or, yeah. in, you know, uh, you know, metaphors. Uh, you know, there's a reason my nose is as curved as it is. It's because <laughs> I boxed and it's been broken plenty. I played ice hockey, uh, it's broken that way. Uh, and uh, boxing, I was never a good boxer. I, I could not move laterally, but I would come in throwing hard and I would uh, go down and take a punch like the best of them. But that's why my nose looks like a banana. It starts <laughs> on the left side of my forehead, about midway, it gets to my right cheek and then ends up at the bottom back on the left side of my face. That's all from yeah. boxing. <laughs> well, it's a metaphor for life too, though. That's kind of how we do it. And you've done that very, very well. Uh, I know you have to run here in a bit. So do you, anything you like want to, how people can find you for public speaking oh, yeah. or anything like um, that, just plug it. So uh, my direct cell, and I have no problem giving it out. It's on my uh, website. It's 832, oh. as your dog would say, 832-541-5444. My website is Robert Bodwin. Bodwin is spelled B as in boy, O-U-D as in David, W-I-N.com. You can get me at Spear Minerals, spearminerals.com uh, or rbodwin at spearminerals.com. But Very lots good. of ways to find me. Um, you know, in the mineral world, the mascot world, the public speaking world. Right, exactly. And, all, but, uh, and everything's there. So that's great. I'm really proud of you. You've done remarkably well. I love the kids. They're, I can't believe the, the boys are 11, though. That I know. You like met yesterday. them when they were, We knew each other before uh, Susie was even pregnant, Kelly. Yeah. So I know. I'll tell you, last thing about kids. Listen, kids are yeah. the most important thing to me, uh, and any parent can, yeah. can attest to that. I do have a, another side project out there that's more of a passion project and a labor of love, and that's called Radical Dadding. Dot com uh, radical like radical yeah. uh, not like pull up politics radical dadding like ing like you were mm -hmm. using it as a uh, a verb uh, yeah. dot com and that's where I put all of the uh, quote unquote exploits with me and my two sets of twins um, and you know we do all kinds of wacky stuff from indoor snowball fights with giant oversized marshmallows at Christmas time. Uh, to uh, me coloring my hair when I have the week off permanently in orange, red, yellow, and brown for Thanksgiving. 
uh, and then bleaching it all back out, uh, wearing costumes to the movie theater. So like when we went and saw uh, The Lion King, we're all in lion costumes. I have to get there a half hour before the movie starts because everybody thinks we're paid performers to take <laughs> pictures in the lobby. So <laughs> a whole bunch of things. I just really have a passion with sharing with parents, dads and moms on just non-traditional ways to connect with your kids. I think parenting is about, you're in the business of memory creation. Yes, you and are. That is essentially what it is. It's memory creation for your kids and that's your business. And so that when they're older, they can remember, wow, maybe I, my dad worked a lot, but the time that we had together, holy moly, I remember all this stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it just reminds me, like I've been listening to a podcast called Daddy Issues with Joe Buck and uh, I'm trying to think of Goldie Hawn's son. I can't think of the kid's name. Um, anyway, and they talk about that. They talk about memory creation. They talk about their dads and those memories and stuff. And the fact that you're doing, you know, radical dadding with those kids, which are just the most beautiful kids, but you're doing that and you're, but you're creating those memories and they can go back to that. And that's the best way to explain childhood is memory creation. Yeah. And you're doing that for them in a fun, non-traditional way, which I think is yeah. great. And if even, even if nobody follows, I have the most, I'm going to use a curse word here, the most badass, I have the most badass virtual online photo, video, family photo album ever. And I have it yeah. forever. And my kids can go back and reference this even when I'm gone. And that's really yeah. the genesis of it. I hope other people are inspired or enjoyed or entertain it, but yeah. I just really wanted it for me and my four kids. That works for me. Well, it's great to talk to you. It's great to finally see you again. As you know, I'm down in Rockport now, if you didn't know that, down right by Corpus. And so back here and trying to get my coaching practice, but this podcasting thing, my, my gift and my joy. So I really appreciate you coming on and Talk about pretty much everything. So, and I'm grateful that you had the time in the day to actually come and yeah. talk to me today. Thank you. I was honored to be asked. Of course, anything else you need. If you're ever in the Houston area, you got a place to stay. Uh, yep. Stay healthy. Don't That's catch absolutely. COVID. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. I agree, buddy. Good to yeah. talk to you. We'll talk to you later, bud. All right. Be good, Kelly. Bye. All right.